This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. I've got a super fun guest. Heather Brooker is on the show. She's an actress, a comedian, a host. She's been featured on NBC, ABC, Netflix. She's a two-time Emmy winner. And she's been on shows like Grey's Anatomy, Atypical, The Mindy Project. She's also a stand-up comedian and has her own podcast with her husband and her daughter Channing, called the Brooker Family Podcast. We talk about body positivity and also working in Hollywood and raising a child in Hollywood who is also in the business. I had so much fun getting to know Heather and I'm certain you will too. If you do love the podcast, leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening so potential new listeners can find us and share it with your friends on social media. That would be a huge help in growing this show, which is a passion of mine. And this podcast is supported by Gooder. If you are looking for amazing sunglasses, look no further than Gooder. Go to gooder.com and use the code ANOTHER for free shipping on your order. They have fashionable, functional, and affordable sunglasses, all the colors and styles you could possibly imagine. I love the breakfast run to Tiffany's Shades. And you can save on shipping totally free when you use the code ANOTHER. Just go to gooder.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Heather. All right. So excited to welcome Heather Brooker to the show. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hi. Thanks for having me. I love your orange glasses. They're so awesome. You know, they're 3D printed. They were printed on a 3D printer. Not my 3D printer, but there's a company um, that prints glasses. Uh, it's called Fitz Frames, and my daughter and I have matching pair. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're the cutest! I didn't, I didn't, I don't even know like what a 3D printer is or what's the difference. <laughs> Apparently, they can print everything like from glasses to a car. Like these 3D printers are wild. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, actress, comedian. Yeah. Host, you do so many fun things. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about like, did you know you wanted to be those things growing up? You know, I knew I wanted to perform or entertain in some way when I was um, probably around eight years old. My, um, I'm originally from Oklahoma and I, my family always watched the Carol Burnett show, uh, when I was growing up and I loved it. I thought she was so brilliant and so funny and she had red hair like me. And, um, I love that she was goofy like me. And so I used to put on little, um, skits or reenactments from the Carol Burnett show for my mom and her church friends. And they all loved it. Everybody loved it. So of course, like that fed that need in me um, to have that validation from an audience, if you will, for for lack of a better term, um, sort of for the rest of my life. So I knew I wanted to entertain and perform in some way when I was younger. And then I got sidetracked in college um, with journalism and um, that sort of led to 
the other careers throughout my life, hosting and red carpeting and all that stuff. But my first love is always acting and comedy. I always think about this with like kids who act. Like you said, you started finding an interest when you were eight. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, how much of is the, the of this is like the parent thinking their kid would be good at this or the kid actually being like, I want to do this also versus like they were born into it. So what did that look like for you living in Oklahoma? <laughs> well, no one in my family was an actor or an entertainer or in any way, shape or form. I think my mom loved uh, attention. She loved being like silly and goofy and the funny one in her group. So there was definitely uh. probably some environmental stuff that I pulled from that. But my mom actually did not want me to be an actor. She did not think it was a viable career source. She wanted me to be an engineer which if anyone has ever met me for more than five minutes, you know, that is so not my jam. (laughs) So that is not me. So she really encouraged me because she was afraid that I would not be able to make money and survive. Um, Mm -hmm. Because back then, coming from Oklahoma, going to Broadway and like starving essentially as a waitress and hoping to make it and catch your big break was really the only thing I ever thought of. Nobody ever said like, Oh, you could go to LA and try film and television. Um, so it wasn't until I was actually in my late twenties after being a, a journalist and an international correspondent for many years, like that was my first career that I started doing local plays and acting in Oklahoma. Like um, I got cast in some feature films that were in the area. And I really started pulling that, feeling that pull in my heart for that type of entertainment and performing again. And I had told my husband, I was like, you know, we talked about it. I said, what do you think about moving out to California and um, trying this acting thing? And he was like, let's do it. So we did the whole Grapes of Wrath move from Oklahoma to California so that I could pursue acting. Um, so I would say it was something definitely that was innate in me. I think um, I got some of that need to perform and be silly a little from my mom, but it's definitely something that is a part of who I am, that need to perform. So you've been married 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. Yes. What stage in your marriage were you when you were like, let's go? And what was he doing for work that he could be like, yeah, let's do it? Well, you know, we were both still in our late 20s. We had been married, I think, maybe two years at the time. Um, we didn't have any kids. We had a dog and a cat. Um, we didn't really love living in Oklahoma because the summers are brutal. The winters are like just constant ice storms. And I think we also just felt like we wanted to explore the world and see what else was out there. Um, and... We, uh, I'm an only child, so it wasn't like I had like a huge family keeping us there. Mm. So, I mean, he's in finance, he's a finance guy. So it was pretty easy for him to come out to LA and find another job. So it just sort of was like this, why not? You know, what do we have to lose in this scenario? And, and I think a lot of what I've done in my life and my career has sort of been this like, let's leap and the net will appear kind of an attitude. Like, let's give it a try, you know, let's see what happens. If it's meant to be, it will be. And if not, then we'll find something else. Where do you think that came from in your life? Like, was there a teacher or like a person that instilled that? That's a great question. I don't really know. I I mean, I guess probably my mom. Um, My mom was very much like, um, 
uh, when now, if I think about it out loud, I, you know, cause none of us want to be like, I'm just like my mom. And then if you start to dissect it, you're like, oh man, I am just like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. I'm like, oh man. I know. Um, <laughs> and the older you get, the more you're like, oh man. Yeah. So I'm very much, um, I have this right brain that constantly fights with my left brain. I'm a very organized, analytical person. I think things through. I think conversations through. I'm that kind of person that's like, let me plan out our vacation. Let's plan things out, you know. But then I also have this wildly creative side of myself that's like, let's do something Mm. fun. Let's take a day trip, you know, to Vegas or whatever. There's definitely that part of myself that's like, let's leap and let's see what happens. And they're, they battle each other. These two sides of myself battle each other. I don't know if any, Mm -hmm. this happens to anybody else, but you, you feel this need to want to still be, um, zany and fun and maybe, you know, have that younger spirit, but also, you know, you're like, oh God, I have bills to pay and I got a job (laughs) and I've got responsibilities. So there's, there's only like so much of that I can do. And my mom was very much like that. She was a very hard worker. She um, uh, was a nurse and one of the best nurses in her hospital and just um, really responsible in that way. But then there were other aspects of her that were like, it's a Tuesday morning. I'm going to keep you out of school. Let's go to the movies. You know, that sort of a thing. Yes. So there's, I, I definitely think I get some of that from her. I resonate with that so much. My husband always has to keep me in line because I'll be like, it's going to be 80 on Wednesday. Let's just take the boys out of school and like drive to the yes. beach and like just yes. stay the night for, for the night. And he's like, they have school. I have meetings. And I'm like, well, like YOLO, let's just go do it. And yeah. so it, there's like this like recklessness about it. But at the end of the day, obviously, like I'm not going to like cancel all my stuff to go do that all the time. Sure. But like every once in a while. Yeah, every once in a while. I want to live, man. I totally resonate with that so much. I'm so glad. Yeah, I will I will do like I'm guilty of um absolutely taking my daughter out of school for the day to go to Disneyland. Like we live like 30 minutes, 45 minutes from Disneyland. So I'm like she's never going to be this young again. We're never going to have these opportunities no. again. So every once in a while we'll have like a skip day and I will go and take her out of school. We'll go to Disneyland or like Universal Studios. I don't do it very often, but I don't know. I mean, it's just sort of something fun to do. And I hope it creates memories for her that when she's older, she'll be like, that was really cool. And do that with her kids, too, because those are some of the best days, you know. Right. And I also feel like until our kids are in high school, like now's the time to do that. Right. Like now's the time to pull them out. Like, what is that going to do? I mean, but and then it's a double edged sword a little little bit because my husband's argument is always like, well, you have to teach them that like you know, they have responsibilities and they have to do things. And I'm like, well, but also I mean, there is, have fun a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> there is absolutely that aspect. I mean, I think it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can do both. You can teach them that like, right. Hey, you've been working hard. Um, and I've been working hard and we deserve a break. So like, let's go have our break yes. and then we can get back to work. Like, I don't think it has to be one or the other. You can, you can teach them both. Do you remember like when we were in school, like people would be awarded for perfect attendance? Oh, yeah. I don't know anybody who gets that now. <laughs> How did that even happen? I know. I I'm know. like, there were was they literally, ne- did they never have a cold? Never, I guess. Or their parents just sent them to school sick. Like, 
I just, I don't understand how that was ever a thing. I don't think they do those awards anymore, but that was like a big deal. And I was like, I'm I'm never going to be up for that award. Well, I just remember like in Oklahoma, there was nothing else to do. Like my mom was like, you got to go to school. (laughs) There's nothing. I mean, I would, otherwise I would just be (laughs) sitting at home, you know, she's like, you got to (laughs) go. Totally. Um, So you have done like the coolest things. And I'm super curious, like when you go for these like big jobs, like you've been on Grey's Anatomy, you've been on the Mindy Project, you've been on Atypical, love all those shows. Like when you go to audition for these things, like Mm -hmm. how do you hone in imposter syndrome, things like that, and just like own what you're doing? Um, you know, a lot of it comes from training, years of training and, and being in acting class um, for a very long time. I think also a big part of it for me is that I feel like I'm sort of, I'm walking in my purpose. So I walk in knowing I'm confidently supposed to be there. I may not be the right choice for every role that I audition for, but I know that I'm supposed to be there auditioning and sharing my talent. And um, so there is a confidence that comes along with that which is also, again, fights with the other side of my brain as an actor, because it's sort of ingrained in us that we get a lot of no's, we get a lot of rejection, like you're not tall enough, you're not short Mm -hmm. enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not heavy enough. Like there's, you know, a lot of rejection and a lot of insecurities that sort of get ingrained in actors. So I would say, though, I'm, I'm, I try to really um, just realize that I am walking to my purpose and that I am meant to be there. And if it's a role that's meant to be for me, it will be. And I've been really lucky that it's worked out and I've had the opportunities that I've had. Those are all great shows and they were so much fun to be a part of. So I feel very lucky. I love that walking in your purpose because, okay, small example. This is not the Mindy project, but I have like a live event I'm doing this weekend. (laughs) And like sometimes for the live events, I get in my head a little bit and I'm like, what if I say something stupid? You know, like all the things. But I I think that if we can take what you just said, like I'm here walking in my purpose, that alone gives you confidence to like believe in what you're doing and believe that even if you say something a little bit stupid, it's going to be okay because you're walking in your purpose. Yes. I talk about this in my stand-up act a little bit. So I, um, for years, was an entertainment reporter with um, NBC. And, um, I get like weirdly awkward, um, not necessarily around famous people. Cause I also consider myself to be a famous person. Um, <laughs> so as a joke, yeah, but like I will, um, whenever I'm interviewing somebody that's like super famous, I'm just a goofball. Like I'm just naturally a goofball. And so I say yeah. goofy things and we're, you know, goofy stuff happens because of it. So I joke about that a little bit in my standup about what a mess I am. Um, but <laughs> I, I sort of embrace, have learned as I get older, and this definitely is something that's come with age. I've learned to embrace those flaws. I used to beat myself up so bad when I would mess up an interview mm. or mess up something like an audition or whatever. I used to get so frustrated. And then I'm like, you know what? it's okay. This was a learning experience or maybe that was a funny moment. And you know, that person probably didn't even think about it after they, you know, after it was over or whatever. So I'm learning as I get older, of course, you know, wisdom comes with age. I'm learning as I get older to sort of Of embrace those flaws, embrace those mistakes and not let it, um, affect me for the next time or for the next opportunity. Kind of have to lean into it a little bit. Yes. 
I I actually think about this all the time. Like, I love that you brought that up with your interviews and like thinking back because like, okay, for instance, somebody I interviewed one time because my interviewing is like not necessarily famous people like you, but I interview a lot of professional runners. So they're famous in the running world. Yeah. Um, And I'll be like, for instance, I just read this woman's book that just came out and I was as I'm reading it through, I'm thinking of things I've said to her in interviews and I'm like, I wonder if that pissed her off or like, I wonder if that just like, did it hit quite right based on like what I'm reading in her book, you know? Um, And it can be hard to like shut that off and be like, okay, she's not thinking about that anymore though. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like it's hard. um, It's hard to turn that off because we so want to, I think part of that comes from like people pleasing a little bit because I know I want people uh-huh. when they walk away from you know a, a conversation or an interaction I want them to feel good I want them to feel like it was a positive experience yeah. and the last thing I want is for them to be like look at this dope you know <laughs> or whatever so I also think about that and um I will I try very hard to let it go and realize that in the grand scheme of things if they are thinking about that something I said or an awkward moment or whatever it's probably fleeting. Like it's probably just a moment that comes in their mind because I'm not the center of everyone's world. And that it took a long as an only child, that took a long time for me to realize people are not (laughs) sitting around thinking about me and what I do all the time. (laughs) So, um, and my husband gently reminds me of that too. And I'm like, Oh yeah, they're probably not, they're probably not thinking about what I just said or did at all. So I kind of find solace in that in a weird way. People are going to be like, this lady is really full of herself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you have a stand-up bit about that? I feel like that that's probably a good stand-up bit about just like you know, all I the should. things that go through your mind after you leave a conversation. Well, I do. I do talk about like some cringy moments that I've had with just like casual encounters with people that I do think about later. I'm like, uh-huh. oh man, like that was so awkward. Because they, because they'll pop into your head. I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but it pops into your uh-huh. head when you least expect it. And you're like, oh, I have like a visceral reaction where I physically go cringe. Like, oh man, why did I say that? That's so <laughs> embarrassing. What is wrong with me? Yes, absolutely. At least 10 times a day. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, so true. Um, Tell us about the stand-up, though. I am so fascinated by it. I love stand-up comedy. We just went and saw um, Nate Bergazzi. He oh, came to Raleigh, and it was, like, so funny. Um, and it's so, his comedy so perfect because he's, like, a, just a few years older than me. So, like, everything he talks about it's is, very like, relatable. right. You know? Yes. But I, I love comedy so much, and I always, like, come up with ideas. And I'm always telling my husband, I'm like, I should like write some bits. And he's like, you just have the ideas. You don't know how to execute the ideas. So I'm so curious how you do that. Like you come up with a thought and then how do you like put it all together? Well, I'll tell you, I feel like 90% of new comics don't also don't know what they're doing and don't know how to do that. And that's okay. Part of the fun and learning about doing standup is just giving it a try. Because when you say, when you just start saying stuff out loud or maybe writing down your thoughts and then telling the story, you're, all comics are essentially storytellers. They're telling stories mm. and they're adding, they're heightening it and they're adding these little funny moments uh, or funny bits onto it. So you, you're caught by surprise and you laugh. Um, I th- think about stuff all the time in my head that I think it's funny and then I'll say it out loud and people are like, 
that's not funny. That makes no sense. <laughs> so you just, <laughs> you just don't know until you try. I mean, you, you should absolutely be like jotting down your funny thoughts or your funny moments. And then, um, if there's like, if you really want to do it, if there's open mics in your area or like a, Oh uh, my gosh, no, no, do it. Yeah. Like why not go down there? <laughs> I'm a big advocate. If there's something you're interested in or passionate about, you should try it. Like we get one life in this world you have oh, to try that. things that bring you joy um, as often as you can. And because you never know. The last thing you want to do at the end of your life is be like, why didn't I try stand up comedy? So I'm a big mm. proponent of that. <laughs> it's got to be so hard to execute, though. And especially for like yeah. long periods of time. Like, I'm like, okay, 15 minute stretch, maybe you could get there. But like, an hour show, like that's insane. Well, you have to remember too, like comedians like Nate Bargetsy, first of all, he's been doing it forever and he is so talented, so funny. Um, but he also has been touring. So he's on the road every week doing, you know, to maybe probably two or three clubs a week and he's practicing all those jokes every mm-hmm. single every time. time. So he's by repetition mm-hmm found what works what doesn't works and that's what all comics do that's why they're all always touring is because they're trying out their acts and then they film their one hour comedy special and then they Mm -hmm. start from scratch and do it all over again and they're going all over the country and they try it and see like oh that didn't work or oh let me riff on this Mm -hmm. um and see if that works so it's repetition it's trying in front of a live audience to see what resonates with people um, for me, I'm sort of a newer, I'm newer to stand up. I've always been like sort of a comedic actor. I started doing stand up before my daughter was born, um, like 10, 12 years ago. And then when she, um, came into my world, everything sort of went, you know, and I put that on pause for a while. <laughs> of course. And just in the last couple of years, I've gone back to doing stand up, and I love it so much. There's this sort of wonderfully um, gratifying thing about coming up with an idea, writing it down, saying it out loud to people, and then them like coming along that journey with you and being like, "Oh, that is funny," you know, like, and then and you get that uh-huh. laugh live, and you're like, "Yes." You know, it's a validation, but it's also it's validation of your work and your creativity. And that's like, that's what I love about stand up. Hey, do you want the best eyelashes out there without wearing extensions or anything like that? You got to check out Hello Skincare's Lash Therapy. This is the best serum I found. I had the saddest little eyelashes you could ever imagine. And every time I put on my mascara, it was just not good. Once I started using Lash Therapy, it has been a total game changer. The Deep Conditioning Lash Serum uses a unique blend of peptides, vegan stem cells, vitamins, and amino acids to fortify and amplify the appearance of lash length and fullness. It takes just 60 days to notice a difference. That's what they say. I say it takes like one or two weeks. It's crazy the transformation I've seen in my own eyelashes. And you all can save when you go to helloskincare.com Use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-H-2-0, and that'll save you 20% off your order. Go to helloskincare.com, use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-H-2-0 for 20% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, I'm so curious about 
comics though with like I feel like now you have to be so careful about every single thing you Mm -hmm. say because you don't want to offend anybody Mm -hmm. and obviously you see big comments like Chris Rock and people like doing it anyway (laughs) like saying very offensive things anyway so how do you toe that line honestly I think it's I think there's a couple schools of thoughts that are coming that are happening with this there are the comics who are just like forget that I'm going to say what I want and keep pushing the envelope and no, I'm not going to get canceled. And, you know, they do what they want Mm -hmm, anyway. mm -hmm. There's the other comics who are really trying to navigate this new world of not offending people with their comedy. And they're trying to be more thoughtful with their jokes and their writing. And um, they're having a lot of success there as well. I have always been a fan of comedy that pushes the envelope, like things that make people uncomfortable a little bit or things that Mm -hmm. kind of make you go, Oh my God, why am I laughing at this? This is so wrong, but that's just me. This is so wrong, but it's funny to me and I don't know why. And so um, I'm a fan of that kind of comedy, but for myself, I have a different perspective now on my standup than when I did it 12 years ago, because now I'm a mom. I have, I have a 10 year old Mm -hmm. who listens to my jokes and loves when I tell her about my shows. And so I also want to be respectful of, um, the audience that we built and the community we've built. So my humor, I feel like is deeply personal to me. And, and I talk a lot about myself Mm -hmm. and my flaws and, and really just try to be like, Hey, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live my life the best way I can and not hurt anyone and not offend anyone. That's my ultimate goal. Like the last thing I would want is for anyone to feel like they were hurt by a joke that I made, or if a, if a, a kid was watching or something and they would be like, Oh, I didn't realize you were like that. Or, you know, you felt that way. And Mm. you know, that sort of thing. So it's a different perspective now that I'm a mom, which is weird. I think a lot of our lives change when we become parents and we start go- looking at the world differently. I certainly did. It, having being my being Channing's mom has changed my life in so many ways. Mm, I love that name too. Where did you guys come up with the name Channing? So when I was in middle school, I had um, one of my best friends had an older sister. She was like in high school. And we thought that, you know, I thought she was the coolest thing ever. Um, she was this singer. Yeah. I mean, you know, like your, your friends, older sisters or whatever can either be like mean and jerky to you, or you just admire them and think they're cool. (laughs) She was very talented. She played the piano. She was a singer. She was very ethereal. I remember she had this gorgeous curly blonde hair and she played in the, she sang at the Tulsa performing arts center And I just thought, oh my gosh, she's so talented. And I never heard the name Channing before. Um, And I remember as like a 13 year old, 12, 13 year old telling my mom, like, if I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Channing because I think that's such a unique and cool name. And my mom, being the kind of like nutter that she is, went and had like pillows embroidered with the name Channing on it. My mom had, I don't oh think anybody gosh. else has, listen, my mom went nuts. I don't know if anybody else's mom has ever done this, but my mom had a hope chest for her grandchildren when I was like 13 years old. Okay. I hadn't even had a boyfriend oh yet. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. But my mom was like, I'm going to just start putting things in this chest 
and give it to you when you get married and you know whatever um she had like pillows embroidered with the name Channing Noel on it because that's what I always wanted to name her name my invisible daughter that didn't exist yet and um like little onesies like whatever this is in like the 90s which is so bonkers to me and my mom (laughs) gave me this hope chest and I was looking through it and there were crayons toy cars like pillows uh like what um, but that was a name that I always just <laughs> loved and I gravitated towards. And when my husband and I got, uh, we met, we started dating and talking about kids and all that stuff. I mentioned that name to him and he's like, Oh, that's really beautiful. He hadn't really heard anything like this is before Channing Tatum. I always feel like I have to say that this was b- uh-huh. way before the Channing Tatums, but he's like, I'd never heard this name before other than like Carol Channing or, you know, whatever. So, um, when we finally decided to have kids, we were married for about 10 years before we decided that we were ready to have kids. And I was like, I just, I love this name. It's been on my heart since I was 13 years old. And, and he's like, let's do it. And she is the perfect Chan. Like she is a Channing, like everything about her kind of, um, I don't know how else to describe it. Like she just is a Channing. We call her Chan. Um, so yeah, that's where mm-hmm. I came from. Random middle school, like girl. <laughs> That is hysterical that your mom did that. Yeah. Um, what if you would have decided that you did not want to have children? Well, there was a long period of time where we didn't, where we weren't quite sure. I was never one of those people that was like, I want to grow up and be a mom. That was never something you would have heard me say. I was very career driven. I was very selfish, um, to be perfectly honest. I had a very like me mentality. And my husband and I, we loved our free time. We loved traveling. We loved mm-hmm. having the freedom to just come and go. And there was truly a long period of time where I thought, I may never have kids. I don't know. I don't know it was in the cards for me. But something changed. Um, some people may call it the biological clock, which I think has something to do with it. or you know. But something in me changed um, when I got to about 30 um, in my early thirties. And I realized I was like, I, there's something missing in my life. And I know this isn't true for Mm -hmm. everybody, but for me, I was like, there's something missing. And, you know, um, it felt like our family wasn't complete. And my husband and I talked about it and we kind of, you know, had really honest conversations about it. And he agreed. And we were like, there is something missing. And that's when we decided that we wanted to try to have a kid and have a baby And, um, then Channing came along and just completed our family. And we knew immediately like, oh, this is what it was. This is what we were missing, um, in our selfish lives (laughs) and our selfish uh, drinking every Friday, every night, like partying lives. (laughs) There's something really special about only child families too. Mm -hmm. Like I listened to a couple episodes of your podcast with Channing and, um, the Brooker family podcast. Is that Mm -hmm. what it's called? That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister-in-law, they have one daughter who is a little bit younger than your Channing. And there's just something really sweet about the three of them. Like mm-hmm. they're just a team, always the three of them together doing their thing. And, yeah. um, I wonder what that's like for you coming from being an only child. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like we're a team and we are, um, you know, and like with any team, there is going to be like some frustrations and some team members are not always, you know, feeling it or whatever. (laughs) So we try to, we try to, um, 
be there for each other and lift each other up. But it's certainly not always like a kumbaya moment, you know, where she's a typical tween. She has her moments where she is like, oh, my God, mom, you don't know anything. And I'm like, girl, (laughs) I know a lot more. Um, And she's she's very sassy. She's very strong willed. And then, you know, we're all. But ultimately, at the end of the day, like we are a very tight knit unit and we love each other very much. And as an only child, um, I I never really thought until after I had Channing that I was like, oh, maybe I could have more. or Maybe I want a bigger family. And then I just sort of realized, like, I'm OK with with the one, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm OK with I know how to parent this because I am this person (laughs) like when she acts the way she does Mm -hmm. she's very much uh, and she will hate this one day and and come to this realization she is very (laughs) much like me (laughs) she is a lot Uh of my uh personality you're talking about before Mm -hmm. yeah she's a lot of my personality and I see that in her and so I know how to help her navigate some of the pitfalls that may lie ahead and I feel very like empowered by that and I'm like okay, how can I help her? Like right now there's a girl at her school that's her like best friend that's not being very nice to her and all this stuff. And Mm. as someone who's had so much heartbreak with friendships, because as an only child, you put Mm -hmm. all of your love and energy into your friendships. My friends are like my family to me. And um, when you get hurt by a friend or somebody else doesn't reciprocate that same level of intensity, it's hurtful. And I've learned now as I'm older how to better navigate that and how to protect myself a little bit more, but also not put so much expectation on other friends because they may not look at me in that same way because it's just a different, you know, a different dynamic. So I'm learning to like help her navigate that a little bit. And we're just sort of getting into the friendship dramas or whatever. But um, I think I love having an only child. I think that we are very much a, a close family. Gosh, I can remember the mean stuff in middle school that happened. And I'm like, it just doesn't even seem like real life. And, you know, kids are just kids are living it differently now, too. I know it's like such a cliche thing to bring up, but like just with social media and everything, it's just like you're on 24 seven. Yeah. The social media aspect adds a whole nother level of drama um, and emotional like development and um, terror. (laughs) for lack of a better word, that yeah. we didn't have when we were growing up. Like if yeah. you had a if you had a fight with somebody at school, you didn't then go home and text people about it or whatever. Like maybe you called your friend on the phone um, if you got like phone time on after the, school. On the landline. On the landline. Like I remember our landline was in our kitchen. And so I had to sit in the kitchen and have conversations with my friends. And my mom would be like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. You know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> So, but now like everyone with their phones, it's so like private and secretive. And then you're seeing everyone on social media and like all her friends have phones. All her friends are on like TikTok and Instagram or whatever. And I have her Instagram, but I control it. She doesn't have access to it. We post together um, or she'll um, say, I want to reply with this or I want to comment. This is what I want to say. Like, Uh because she's an actor too, we're kind of... um, we do it together, but she definitely doesn't have that access alone by herself. I just think there's too much, there's too many pitfalls. There's too much drama that comes along with it. And being a kid and at this age right now is hard enough that I'm, I'm kind of holding off on letting her have that access, that mm-hmm. unfettered access for a little bit longer. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, I talked to a psychologist on the podcast about a therapist on the who specializes in like teen teen stuff and um I said if you were going to what age would you do? And she said if I if I was going to let my kids do social media on their own like that, it would probably be 16. Yeah. Cuz you're just like more a little more development going on at that point. Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. Okay. Um one of the things I wanted to ask you about is body positivity and mm-hmm. now that I'm bringing it up I'm just curious your thoughts on this situation. I posted this on social media a few days ago. <laughs> my my kids will like pat my belly and they'll be like, why is your belly so soft? Why is it so jiggly? <laughs> and I'll be like, I'll just say like, oh, that's just like how God made me. This is just like who I am. Mm-hmm. But then I had a lot of people saying, well, actually, and I asked, I said, what do you, what do you say to your kids when sure. they bring this up? And I had some people saying, well, we tell our kids that it's not nice to comment on other people's bodies Mm. and so I'm so curious like what your message is with that and talking to kids about that well I think it depends on the age range first of all I think if you're talking about Mm. little little kids like maybe under six um, you definitely have Mm. to let them know um, it's not nice to talk about people's body because there was there's been instances like when Channing was little and we would see like a really heavy set person walk by and she would go oh that lady is big and I would be like, and she, in her mind, she was not thinking, she was not trying to fat shame. She was just like, that is a person right. I've never seen, you know, that looks like that before. So we definitely at, at a younger age um, started talking about, hey, we don't talk about people's bodies or their appearance because that could be hurtful to them. And she was like, oh, okay. And so that was definitely instilled in her at a young age. And um, now, especially that we're in the tween years, we talk about, how her body, our bodies are beautiful. They are made for a purpose to help us navigate through life. Our bodies make babies. Our bodies um, are strong. I talk about a lot of the positive side of what our bodies can do because like even when she was little, I would talk about how the bodies heal yourself. If you get a boo-boo, like your body is amazing because it can heal itself. We put a bandaid over it and then two days later, the boo-boo is gone, you know? And she was fascinated with that idea. Um, So I think even something as small as that is talking about how strong the body is and and what amazing things Mm -hmm. our bodies can do starts instilling in them the knowledge and the confidence to go, our bodies are wonderful things, no matter what shape or size or ability. And we don't want to ever make anyone feel bad if their body looks different because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what has happened to them. Um, and so without sounding like, you know, um, too like preachy about it or whatever, I definitely think there's ways you can navigate that with their kids. We always call everybody part by its proper name. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't want there to ever be any shame or stigma attached to her body in any way. If she learns anything from me from that, like I don't want her to ever feel ashamed of her body like it is less than no matter what happens to her because she could, God forbid, like have an accident or something and, you know, um, have Mm -hmm. a disability or whatever. I still want her to have that confidence and know that she's still the same person inside no matter what her body looks like. 
Um, that's the ultimate goal. And that's why, you know, she's, she's never really referenced like me being a plus size. Like I'm a definitely, especially by Hollywood standards, I am definitely large and in charge. And (laughs) she's never though really referenced that or made a comment about it or whatever. She'll come up and she'll do the same thing with my belly. She'll go, you know, but she's being goofy and funny. (laughs) She's not like shaming me or anything. You know, she wants to, she loves hugs and if I can teach her anything, like really, that's my my hope is that she loves her body and what it can do no matter what. How do you handle this with your daughter being in the industry now too? I mean, there's like probably so many protective mechanisms you have mm-hmm. and like, you know, because there can be toxic culture in yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just goes back to like from the very beginning, we have talked to her about her her own ownership and agency over her body, um, the ability to speak up for herself to in any situation, not just in the entertainment industry, but also in life. Um, consent is a big thing we talk about that she doesn't have to hug anybody and nobody has to hug her that she's not mm. comfortable with, but also she should not be touching people or hug or like in any way um, if they're not comfortable with it. And going beyond that too, like when she goes to auditions or we're going to set for any acting work that she's doing, we go over like a sort of a checklist in the car on the way there. And the number one thing on the checklist is if you do not feel safe, if you feel uncomfortable, um, speak up for yourself. You have to come tell me, tell the set teacher, um, if there's anything that makes you uncomfortable or, or not feeling safe, speak up for yourself because it's not worth it. My being in a TV show or movie or whatever is not worth her losing in any way, shape or form her feeling of safety or agency over her body or, or control of her body in any way. It's not worth it. So we just, we just talk about it and just reinforce, try to reinforce those ideas with her now so that when she's an adult, my hope is that she will have that confidence, um, in herself and who she is to stand up for herself and, Um, navigate this industry if she decides to continue to be an actor. Wow. That's a really good conversation to have with our kids, like regardless of what they're doing. Like I just think of like sports teams even. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, cause you think of crazy things that have happened and yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's wrap up here. What's one thing professionally you've done so many fun things, by the way, friends, like um, Heather has interviewed like very famous people and we were talking (laughs) about Channing, like, your daughter Channing interviewed Channing Tatum. Like you guys have done some really, yeah, like so cool. Um, I forget somebody else I saw you interviewed and I was like, Whoa, there's a lot, Mm -hmm. but what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done? Well, I would love to win an Oscar. Just going to put that out there. would love to win an Academy award. Um, I'm putting it out there. We are, we are manifesting that. Um, but that would probably be the big one. Or honestly, just uh, professionally, I just would love to star as a regular on um, a, a TV show. Like that's always been my goal is to be on a TV show regularly. Love it. Speak it. Manifest yes. it. Yes. Best most recent book you've read? My friend Laura Tremaine has a new book um, and it mm. is all about, it's called The Life Council. It is all about friendship, um, the 10 types of friends that everybody should have. And I uh, highly recommend that. And then I'm also read a lot of books about stand-up comedy. And um, yeah, so that's what I'm reading these days. What is your last message to leave with our audience today? 
Well, I mean, we've talked about so many like wonderful topics and wonderfully inspiring things. And I just feel like I am a big advocate, especially for women to, um, like I said earlier, don't be afraid to try something new in your life, to walk in your purpose, find your purpose and find something that brings you joy. Um, one of the hardest things that we can do is spend our lives just sort of slogging away at a day to day, you know, nine to five job and not finding that one thing. And it could be like knitting. It could be candle making. Maybe Mm -hmm. your joy is just writing short stories. Maybe your joy is going for a light run uh, around your neighborhood. Um, Something that brings you fulfillment outside of your nine to five job. And once you find what that is, um, you can try a bunch of different things because you never know what it might be. That's like, Oh, this is like, this brings me joy. I really believe that that will open up doors to other creative aspects of your life, other creative opportunities, and who knows what it could inspire. So I really want to encourage people to try something maybe different in their, in their weekly routine, um, that they've been wanting to try. Love that. Thank you, Heather. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on your show. This is so great. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Heather, for coming on the podcast. That was so fun to talk to you and get to know your story. You can find Heather on Instagram. She's the Heather Brooker on Instagram. Definitely go check out her podcast, the Brooker Family Podcast, and look up her stand-up. She is funny, 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 funny. You can find this podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling, on Instagram. You can find me personally, lindsayhines626. I'm also on Twitter, at lindsayhine. Thank you so much for being here. Check out the show notes, sandyboyproductions.com, to learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network. We are grateful you are here, and we hope to see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?